1: To the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at eplroundtable at gmail.com.
0: Hi, I'm Gitta Swansea City fan and contributor to the Jackcast podcast. Uh, you can find that on Twitter at the Jackcast.
2: I'm Richard Burns. I'm a Manchester City fan. I write about City for Yahoo! Sport UK and contribute to the Blue Moon podcast. And I'm on Twitter at RichardTheBurns.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Uh, up first, as usual, we have Making the Rounds, where we each will talk for a few minutes about what's been happening at our clubs recently.
0: 2017 couldn't really be more different to 2016. Uh, if we're being honest, everything that Paul Clement could have changed, he has changed and it's had a positive impact. Um, I, and that Saturday's match against Burnley really showed how far we've come. It was probably the most satisfying result of the season so far because everything which could have gone against us in that match did—luck, uh, um, terrible refereeing decision—and uh, and, but they didn't give up and they kept on going. Uh, we took the lead early on against Burnley. They weren't—they were just inviting us to attack and then. Uh, Stunning! Leroy Faircross was headed in. Uh, we um, also hit the bar and the post uh, within 20 seconds of each other, it, um, which which is which was pretty incredible. And we hit the crossbar as well in the second half, which showed how nothing seemed to be going right. Um, and obviously, just after we scored, um, in total control, a ball goes into our area, and Sam Volks um, sticks an arm out to control it, and somehow the referee gives a, a penalty to uh, to Burnley. It was one of the weirdest decisions you'll see all season. Anthony Taylor isn't my favourite ref. I don't think he's many people's favourite ref, but um, he certainly didn't do much to endear himself to Swansea fans. Um, it, was, it was a shocker, let's be fair. Um, but that gave Burnley a way back into the game. They didn't really deserve that goal, but they got it. And then after 60 minutes, having done absolutely nothing all game, they took the lead. Um, Andre Gray, lovely turn and shot into bottom corner. Um, really well-taken goal, but questions to be asked of our centre-backs, uh, how he got so much space. Um, but we, ke- we kept on trying and nothing really seemed to be happening. And you just felt there's one of those days where it's just not going your way. Um, but then another beautiful assist from gilfie Sigurdsson, who, Uh, Back heeled into the path of Martin Olsen, who's had a brilliant impact since he arrived from Norwich, uh, and he blasted it past uh, uh, Paul Robinson in the Burnley goal. Um, That's his second goal since he arrived here. Uh, You know that he could not be a more different player to Neil Taylor, who he had at left back before. It it just makes such a difference having an attacking presence at left back. um, Gives the team far more balance and gives and makes us a lot more difficult to uh, play against. uh, but it was two all and again the chances you know we had a lot of half chances but couldn't quite get that get that that key goal that we needed and then in added time um, Fernando Llorente not for the first time this season popped up and and got uh, uh, got a goal which gets us three points and and Q just incredible scenes around the Liberty Paul Clement running down the touchline imagine Jose Mourinho for Porto at Old Trafford that kind of thing um, and then at full time, he, he did a kind of lap of the stadium, punching the air. And you could see how much it meant to him. Um, and, and already there's a there's a brilliant bond between manager and fans. Um, he seems to be loving the way things are going. It couldn't have really gone much better. Um, there's I actually worked out today that um, uh, if the season had started on January 1st, 2017, the Swans would be in the top five. Um, we've wow. collected. That that's that's pretty incredible, isn't it? We've we've picked up um, five wins from eight games. The only teams we've lost to are Manchester City, Chelsea, and Arsenal. Um, we, we, it just shows how we've been picking a point at such with such regularity. And when you consider, um, you know, at the, at the turn of the year we were tw- we had twelve points and we were rock bottom of the Premier League, and now we have twenty seven points and we're five points clear of the relegation zone. The turnaround is absolutely incredible, and there's a major feel-good factor around the club as well. Again, um, you know, fans were making some great noise, um, all ends of the stadium singing. Really, and, and there seems to be a feeling now that things are going in the right direction, and we just want to sustain this momentum. Really, um, but, but I mean, the, the performances just completely transformed. I didn't think under Bob Bradley that this squad was capable of playing anywhere near this level. Um, but it you know a, a few new signings and and a new manager and it 's a completely different team and all of a sudden people are are confident of staying up um that 's not to say you know that we don 't have a um we we know that we 've got a very difficult few months ahead of us um a lot of the other teams down the bottom are also winning games and picking up points regularly so it it is still going to be a difficult task but we're playing so well at the moment and getting such good results and there's such a good vibe around the place that people really do feel that we are we, we're we very capable of staying up
1: all right in this gap uh get i saw that um um uh, was about to be offered an extension as assistant do we know if that's happened or not
0: uh we uh, we've seen the stories that he is uh, in talks um and, and he's cool. uh um well he's he's looking to sign a new contract uh, as far as we understand which would be great. he seems to be a big part of uh the turnaround especially you know the fact that we've we're so much more difficult to beat now than we were um for, uh, during the first half of the season you know we we've we we've been since paul clément arrived we we were hammered by by arsenal but that's the only game really that we've lost where we've, um, You know, where we, the opposition has had an easy time of things. I mean, we, we were in Man City very close, and Chelsea um, had had to really fight to um, to break us down. Um You know, we're still conceding goals. There's no doubt about that. And that you know, it, it's not every, it's not perfect, but Maccarley apparently has really worked with the defence and, um, and and got us just defending as a team and defending as a coherent unit. Um, and and so you know that's the 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 coaching side of things he seems to have made a big impact but also of course fans love the fact that we've got a a a man of um Claude McAleary's stature at the club he was such an incredible footballer um and and, you know having something like that at the club it's it it lifts the mood you know people get very excited it's 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 again it's another sign of how things have uh, turned around and, and hopefully yes he can he can sign this contract he can uh, stay with us um, for, for next season regardless well depending on which league we're in but um, he, he seems to have been a, a very big part of what um, Paul Clement's done at Swansea and um, yeah hope hope he stays around it's a bit strange to hear about a contract renewals, New World's what two months after three months possibly after um, somebody arrived so uh you know, but um, yeah, as long the sooner he puts pen to paper, the better.
1: Interesting. Uh, from the way to American aspect, which I've been accused of plenty, um, is this kind of what Americans have is like a defensive coordinator, where he comes in and he works with the defense to try to shore things up that way? Because certainly you've improved in that in that regard.
0: Yeah, I, I guess I, I guess it is. Um, you know, because c- we were so catastrophic at the back. <laughs> Um, under Bob Bradley you know the statistics spoke for themselves we were defensively he was defensively the worst manager the Premier League has ever seen um you know that that, shot to Tim Sherwood
1: just like hey I did all that for nothing
0: (laughs) Tim Sherwood is in Swindon at the moment fuming at his leg as he's running (laughs) in smoke um but uh yeah we it was so catastrophic um but you know if with with largely the same players that that we are, Bob Bradley's disposable uh, disposal, sorry, uh, we we've turned things around. We we just look far more confident in the ball. We're working harder off the ball, um, and that, and it's not just the the back four. You know, the midfield are pitching in a lot more uh, defensively than they used to. I mean, to, the fact that a player like Leroy Fair now looks defensively competent says all you need to know, because I, I was convinced that man had didn't have a defensive bone in his body. But he, everything just looks far more organized and far more um, cohesive um, since Paul Clement and Claude McAlellan came in. Um, and it's not just down to tactics. There There is clearly more energy in our approach too. Um, so yeah, I, I guess the the comparison between so defensive coordinator and um, uh, and Claude Makélélé's position at Swansea, I, I, I guess it's a fair one. That's the impression we get. He's he's certainly not going to be um, taking on shooting practice anyway, is he?
1: <laughs> Probably not so much. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for that, uh, Richard. Last time we had you on, I think in that time, Guardiola was the worst manager ever. He'd never figure out England at all. Uh, Then you were up in second a little bit, but now you've fallen way back because the game's in hand. Um, How are you feeling about Manchester City at the moment, especially uh, with your win today and another match midweek?
2: Uh, I feel extremely positive about City at the moment. Um, It feels now like we are over the worst of the bedding-in problems that Guardiola was going to have. That's not to say that there aren't uh, more... Difficult days ahead of us, um, and I've no doubt some um, some bad results and whatnot still to come. But we're now nine games unbeaten in all competitions, and crucially, uh, because... I think I've said on here before that I don't think we're ever going to completely correct our defensive problems until we get a, a summer transfer window to do it. So we've sort of got to grin and bear it and, and make the, the best of what we've got for the rest of the season. Crucially, we're now sticking the ball in the net at the other end, which is something that was evading us quite a lot at the start, well, at the midpoint of the season. Um, when we were having the draws at home to Everton and Middlesbrough and Southampton and uh, and all the rest of it, we were dominating possession. Uh, and and getting to the final third, and then we'd suddenly look a little bit clueless and, and lacking ideas. Ever since Leroy Sané came into the team, because he he's it's changed everything. He was he had a very slow start to the season, and I think Guardiola has managed him absolutely perfectly because he's, he's let him sort of dip his toes in the water, and then he trusted him to start the game against Arsenal, which at that point was probably our. Our best performance of the season when we beat them 2-1 at the Etihad uh, and and Sané was crucial in it and then unfortunately he got injured and he came back in uh, in the, the draw with Tottenham and he looked sensational in that game and he's been fantastic ever since and he's given us um, when he plays on the left and we've got Sterling on the right we have such a better balance in, in the team it allows us to um, it allows us to, to play with great width and to it gives us more space To pull opposition players out of position, it gives us more. We're far more fluid. Sterling and De Bruyne have a lot more space to work in in the centre, and that that one player being bang in form and being thrown in at the right time by by the manager. Has just, has just brought us right into form. I mean, he's obviously not the only one. So today we defended a lot better than we've become accustomed to. The the positional play from the defenders when they were playing out from the back uh, was as good as as good as good I recall seeing it. You've got Kolarov, um, Stones, and then the two full-backs, and Fernandinho sort of dropping into a sort of centre-back type role, um, even when we're on the ball. It just makes it so fluid. And then the Sunderland players don't really know who to follow. They're pulled out of position, and our first goal today came from that. Caballero manages to get the ball. Okay, it wasn't his best kick, and it required a good uh, a good intervention by Yaya. But he gets the ball halfway up the pitch with one with one kick, and then Yaya sent us away. And as soon as we get it wide, we're um, to Sterling who puts the ball in the box to Aguero. Like it, it was really quick and really fluid, and it was like all the hallmarks of a, a Guardiola team because he requires good wide players. He, he requires his team to play wide. Um, and it wasn't too dissimilar to what you might have expected his uh, his Bayern Munich team to be doing with Ribery or Robin feeding Lewandowski. It's like that two fast, pacey wingers, like skillful and tricky wingers, feeding a, a potent striker. Um, it had all the hallmarks of a Guardiola performance today. Now, obviously, that came against the bottom team in the league, so I'm not going to get too carried away um, that we managed to beat them, but. We were clinical when we needed to be. And like I said, nine games unbeaten is um, is very impressive considering that that comes off the back of a run where we were shipping four goals at Leicester and four goals at Everton. And the really disappointing 1-0 defeat at, at Liverpool on New Year's Eve. Um, we've just played ourselves bang into form. And I mean, Aguero has had a sliding doors moment in his season. Obviously, there's been a hell of a lot of reports suggesting that Guardiola wasn't happy with him and that maybe Aguero couldn't do what Guardiola wanted of him. And his head was definitely down for a little bit after he got dropped. The Monaco keeper in that ridiculous 5-3 win spills an Aguero shot in. And ever since then, he's, he's looked right on it again. He's, he's running his backside off. It's the work that, that the team needs. It's not just running for running sake. It's effective. And he's putting the ball in the net again, which is ultimately um, you know, what he's there to do. And he just looks, he looks on cloud nine again and, and unstoppable. And it's great to see. Uh, and... Guardiola was clearly happy with him I mean he was very very effusive after the win over Huddersfield Um, and Guardiola keeps saying that he can't do what he wants to do with this team and that City can't achieve their goals without Aguero which okay managers say things to support the players and I'm sure he wouldn't come out and say no we're open to offers in the summer but it's a pretty extreme thing to say if if the guy isn't part of your long-term plans so I think that's hopefully making everybody feel a bit more settled and less scared about the possibility of losing Aguero in the summer um, and yeah everything just feels all right at the moment and I would say if there's such thing we're getting ourselves into form at the perfect time in the season obviously it would have been nice to be a bit more consistent around the time that Chelsea started pulling away with the the lead but in terms of being in there at the end Whilst the teams around us, you know, Arsenal are being Arsenal, Liverpool always look like slipping up whenever they come up against the team in the bottom half of the table, Um, and United refuse, like steadfastly refuse to lift their heads above six. There's only, obviously, Spurs are in great form, uh, and Chelsea above us are in great form, but we're really in a good position to take advantage of any slip-ups. Obviously, we've got an FA Cup quarter-final to come, with two games from a final, and The dream is still very much alive in the Champions League. However far we'll get with that is, you know, I couldn't begin to really guess. Uh, But we're in form at the perfect time of the season to start hammering home a bit of an advantage in the competitions that we're in.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm really glad you pointed out Sane because he has been incredible since making his way back into the team. Or I guess really for the first time, making his way back makes it sound like he's been there longer than (laughs) eight months. Um, But uh, I want to talk about somebody at the back. Who I thought has been overrated for like three years, but now suddenly has stepped up performances and now maybe a little underrated. And that's John Stones, who I think has had a pretty decent month on the whole. The Monaco stuff looked pretty bad, um, but w- would you agree that he's looked a little bit better of late, and that maybe your defense has been not getting a fair shake of late?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, what what I would say on John Stones, I would when you say been overrated for the last three years, I would probably have agreed with you during his time at Everton um but then what I would say on that is he was managed by Roberto Martinez who was uh, in my opinion an atrocious defensive coach i uh, proven at both of his Premier League clubs um he, he couldn't organize a defense so having a particularly talented young defender um learn under Martinez I'd I don't think was ideal for him. I think coming to City with Guardiola, who is, uh, despite what people think and despite what people say about our defence, Guardiola is an excellent defensive manager because he has to be because it forms the basis of everything he wants to do with his team, the playing out from the back. The organisation that you have to have to be able to do that, on the ball and off the ball, um, is, is pretty extreme. So, is a very good defensive manager, uh, as proven with the likes of Jerome Boateng and, and Javi Martinez at Bayern Munich. Stones this season, to me, I, I think has settled into City really well. He's not been perfect, uh, but I don't think overrated is the term I would use. I think seeing him at, at close quarters, the way I see it, is I actually think he's a bit of a step a, ahead of the rest of our defenders, and a lot of his mistakes, not all of them, but a lot of his mistakes come from the fact that, or have come from the fact that, his teammates aren't quite in tune with him because he's the most Guardiola-like defender that we've got. So when you think of the pass-back where we conceded a goal against Southampton, that's because he's got Vincent Company stood five yards away from him. And at the exact time that he goes to play the ball company steps up which he wasn't supposed to do and that leaves a massive amount of space Um, the one against Leicester when he, he played a pretty horrific back pass when we were already beaten if you freeze frame that at the point when he's about to release the ball and look where each of his teammates are none of them are in a good position to, to receive the ball and you could say yeah he should see that and, and should just stick it in Rosetta or should hoof it up the pitch but he's probably under pretty strict instruction from his manager not to do that because that isn't benefiting us in the long term he's not learning anything from doing that he's not getting to grips with what Guardiola wants so I think a lot of his problems are his teammates not being up to his standard and I'm aware that might sound a bit daft because there have been individual mistakes as well um, but I think he's the man that Guardiola is going to build a defence around and I think long term I think we're looking at a, a future club captain and if England develop him properly then I think he's got a pretty big international career ahead of him as well. I, I think he's a sensationally talented defender. Mm. I,
1: I just thought it was important to mention that because a lot of time in in the larger sports media, people get stuck on an idea and then write yeah. it out for too long. And I've been very harsh on John Stones, but I do think it's important um, for people listening this and to also people in the industry that you need to kind of do rechecks constantly on players because you could get stuck in the wrong mindset for too long and then just be pretty much wrong full stop on a player. Anyway, I I thought that was a very interesting uh, transition by him. And and to your point, just developing and fits the mold of a Guardiola player better than the other options around there. Um, Also dropping Odomendi seems to have helped, but that's another issue for another day
0: Um, (laughs) uh,
1: for Tottenham. uh, Huge win today uh, for us against Everton, our ninth uh, straight home league win, which is the best at White Hart Lane, uh, which means it will forever be the record for the best at White Hart Lane. Because uh, we don't have that many matches left. Um, oh, wait. I suppose we technically do. But we'd have to lose and then do it again. I'm pretty sure this is going to be the record, um, which is absolutely incredible in the final season for us to have made uh, the home ground so um, important. And, and we heard about Pochettino saying at the, at the start of the season that we wanted to make sure that we would you know, leave White, uh, White Hart Lane on a historical high note. And we seem to be doing that in the league, at least, as we currently have more points at this stage in a season after match week 27 than ever previously in the Premier League. So that has gone well. The home form has gone well. Europe, <laughs> let's not talk about it. Um, but uh, so getting another win this week against Everton and, and a very informed Everton team. Um, they've got that defense playing a lot better uh, under a manager who's now being linked to Barcelona. I think it's probably too soon for that job. Um but I've been very impressed with Everton and have done the past few weeks. They press well. They have good wing play. They had a uh, striker that was joint top of the Premier League. In a lot of ways, us playing Everton is a little bit like looking in a mirror. Um, but on the day, their press just was not very effective. Uh, it, it reminded me of a Liverpool match last season where Liverpool Gagan pressed, quote-unquote. Also <laughs> uh, some bells in the background because every time you mention Klopp, you have to bring it up. But... Uh, if, you, if you're actively pressing and you aren't dispossessing the other team, you get tired out very quickly because you need to see some evidence of it, I think, before effort levels might just drop just a hair and then you can get caught out um, a fair bit. And I think Everton struggled from that a little bit today. Um, the scoreline, I think, did flatter them to an extent. Kane easily should have had his hat trick. Um, he had a chance near post. Uh, on Robles and then uh, another chance later where he could have uh, put the ball through him but chipped him. He even mentioned it in his uh, post-match conference how frustrated he was uh, that he didn't just put his foot through it. Um, But on the whole, was very pleased with our performance today. One of our better 90-minute performances. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, it went to 94-plus. So we had a couple of uh, conceded goals in there that we probably shouldn't have. Lukaku's goal, it was the first goal Lukaku has ever scored against us. It was a well-taken finish, but if Jan Vertonghen doesn't fall... He probably isn't in the situation to score there. Uh, And it just seems like we've always had Lukaku's number, whether or not that's because uh, Vertonghen knows him so well, and now we also have Toby in the mix. Uh, (laughs) I don't know what it is, but he never looked like scoring before that moment, and Jan did slip right before the goal. Um, But yeah, it was just a great team performance from us, pretty much from the off. I was very, very pleased. Ericsson, maybe not at his uh, high-flying best, but... um, obviously not not too much of a detriment. Uh, w- one of the things I was really looking forward to watching in this match was uh, Ghana Guy or whatever order he wants to put those last names in, um, yeah. <clears throat> with Victor Wanyama, because I just thought it would be really interesting to see those two kind of going up against each other. And then they just kind of didn't, um, which I suppose isn't, The most surprising, because they're both defensive-minded midfielders. But I thought there would be more situations with uh, those two and maybe Dembele. Obviously, we've heard a lot about Schneiderlin since going over from Manchester United. But it seemed like we largely bypassed them through the midfield. Um, So anyway, that was something I was really looking forward to seeing that didn't come to fruition. But it was a fun watch on the whole uh, for somebody with a team in it. I assume it was a fun watch for the neutrals. A lot of fun storylines in there with top five defenses and good strikers and everything like that. Um, But yeah, all in all was very, very pleased with how we looked, I'm still not convinced by Dyer at center back this season. And I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just that his position has changed. And so his mindset had to change. And now we're changing it back. Or if it's the specific role he's playing in the back three. Um, but earlier in the season, uh, we were linked with Stefan DeVry, who's at Lazio. And I laughed it off because we already have four center backs. And the more I see... Dyer in there what we saw of Vimmer a few weeks back when he had to deputize and didn't look particularly great I think we might actually go in for a center back which sounds insane considering we probably have two of the 10 best center backs in the Premier League in the same team saying that we need to go get another one it may sound silly but if we're gonna play three at the back I mean you want to have five you can do what Chelsea did and now they have six because they brought Ake back on loan um but that's 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 a Another discussion for a different day of how we need to bolster our team if we are set on playing this formation long-term. But yeah, was very pleased. Uh, Ben Davis, who had been pretty poor the past few weeks, had a very good match, and now everybody's talking about how he's been underrated. It's like, he had a good match. Let's let's see if he does it again before we start getting too excited. But uh, he did have a good match. He was given the assist on the Kane goal, which is adorable as a stats person. Very frustrating when you see... Things like that given as assists. Passing the ball to somebody pretty near the halfway line. And then Kane just does some individual brilliance to score the goal. But uh, all in all, not not too bad. But very pleased. Poch obviously disgruntled that we gave up the late goal. Um But yeah, very very pleased with our uh, performance on the whole. And the win was massive for us. With uh, United and uh, Arsenal both dropping points. Liverpool dropped their points last week against Leicester. So them taking points off Arsenal just kind of kept the train chugging for us in the right way. Uh, Hopefully West Ham can take something off of Chelsea. Richard mentioned how informed City are. Maybe we could make a little something out of this uh, title race if uh, West Ham could pull pull a little magic. But uh, all in all, very pleased. I do think that this largely solidifies our top four chances. We do not have many quote-unquote difficult fixtures left. The two biggest ones left on the docket, Manchester United and Arsenal, both at home. And we've already talked about how good we've been at home this season. So if if you get three points in one of them, that's pretty much us sealed into the top four, which is obviously very important for a club like Tottenham at this stage. All right. And going from talking about top four, that has clearly been Tottenham's objective for years. I'm interested to hear what you guys would consider a successful season at this stage. And if you're on track with that, and if you're not, what kind of repercussions could we see in the summer?
0: For Swansea, the, the, the objective from day one has been survival. Um, that's never changed, but the, the likelihood of it happening has definitely changed. Um, Uh, uh, towards the end of 2016, I was saying that this was complete, uh, it it was completely out of of our reach. We were pretty much down already, nothing was ever going to change that. And suddenly, we are uh, at the start of March, and you'd have to say that that we're looking pretty, um, in in a pretty good position to, to achieve that five points off the bottom three. Um, and um. Although you know other teams down the bottom are also um, picking up wins, um, meaning that it is that we're still under pressure from those teams. Um, I think most neutrals looking at the relegation battle at the moment would say that Swansea are one of the best placed teams to to stay up. I think the um, yeah, I'd, I'd be far more worried if I was. Uh, a Sunderland fan, a Hull fan, a Middlesbrough fan, or even a Leicester or a Palace fan um, than I I am as a Swansea City fan. And the only thing that we need to do to stay up is not mess this up and just sustain what we've got. Just keep doing what we're doing at the moment. Um, Keep working our socks off and just do not become complacent. As long as we do that, I think we will probably stay up reasonably comfortably. Uh, when you look at our fixtures. But that that is entirely reliant on us not getting complacent and, and just keeping up the kind of momentum that we've got at the moment.
1: Uh, if you weren't able to stay up, will we see a lot of player shifting? Do you have players on high contracts that you'd ha- kind of have to get rid of? Or would you be worried that players like Sigurdsson and, and Laurenti would get poached?
0: Uh, there's no way that Gilfrey Sigurdsson could play in the championship. I mean, he, he's just... Such an incredible footballer. <laughs> I say it every time I'm on this podcast, but but he, but he's far too good for Swansea. Um, and I know we've you know this has been a, a team turnaround um, over the last few months. But without Gilfie Sigurdsson, there's there's no way we'd have done it. He's his delivery is, is spectacular. He's just such a gifted footballer. Um, he should be playing Europa League football at the very minimum. Um, probably Champions League football. Uh, if we're being honest, he's he's an incredible footballer, and we'd struggle to keep hold of him. Likewise, I don't think Yorente would have much interest in playing in the Championship. Um, Fabianski would be a great buy for any Premier League side, and I don't think he would um, fancy going down to the to the second tier. Um, there are a few other players that we could we could sell on. I, you know, we, we'd want to cash in probably uh, if we were to go down to the Championship. Um, but like I said at the moment that's looking less and less likely by the week um, and hopefully I'm not jinxing it now but um, hopefully we can keep this up now and um, we, come the end of the season we'll we'll be in a much stronger position to retain a player like Guilfi Saiten or Yorente, who I, I think we're going to struggle to keep hold of whichever league we're in um, next season
1: Mm. Well, as I said to you uh, before we started recording and everything, uh, I think Swansea is a better league, or sorry, the Premier League is a better league with Swansea in it. So hopefully uh, that will continue. Uh, Richard, obviously for years it was Champions League. You were doing well domestically, you weren't doing well in Europe. Kind of turned around the past couple of years. Is silverware, which you have to get for this to be a successful season under Guardiola, or is this more of a long-term idea?
2: Um. It's a bit of a mix of both. I mean, obviously, we can't pretend that silverware isn't important when you spend the kind of money that City typically spend in a transfer window and with the quality of players that we've got and how high up the league we are and and all the rest of it. Of course, winning trophies is the proof of your success, isn't it? But the long-term idea at the moment is more important. So if we don't win the league this year, which obviously... At the moment, there is a chance, and we can keep the pressure on Chelsea because we still have to play them. And we've, uh, by the the time they've played West Ham, we'll have a game in hand on them again. Um, so we have to be there to mop up if they make uh, to to take advantage if they make any mistakes. Um, winning the league was the the aim at the start of the season. Now it has to be about sort of at the very least consolidating a top three position, so we don't have to go through a qualifier for the Champions League again. That has to be the league game. And then it has to be about the quality of performance, it has to be about what's happened in the last nine games, playing the way that, you know, showing the performances to be um, in line with what Guardiola was brought in to do in terms of laying this blueprint that's going to create an identity for the club for essentially all coming time. I mean, what they want is for Guardiola to do what Johan Cruyff did at Barcelona, create an image that permeates the whole club and that... Any manager who comes in can then work with and adapt slightly. Um, Guardiola's remit at City is sensational. It's, like, it's ridiculously powerful. Um, we've obviously got a strong shout at winning the FA Cup, which presents me with a, a massive personal dilemma because I'm at a wedding that I can't get out of on FA Cup final day, which is, given that there's, still a-, <laughs> yeah, given that there's a possibility that it could be a City-United final... Um, I've already let the couple know that I will never, ever forgive them if that comes to pass, which they seem all right with. So anyway, um, (laughs) yeah, we're we're one game from a Wembley semi-final and that game is Middlesbrough away. So realistically, without counting chickens, we should be there. Um, And we've got a strong shout at winning a trophy there that we haven't won since 2011. The Champions League is interesting because we're not through that yet. Um, But I think it's, I think we're equipped to do well in it. We're not guaranteed to be in the quarter-final. Monaco will almost certainly score against us in the second leg. Um, but the two-goal cushion that we've got from that incredible first game, I mean, it was the, the best match I've ever been at. It was sensational. To have the cushion from that gives us a strong chance of getting through. And then from there, the only team that would scare me that we could draw would be Atletico Madrid. because Not because the... Because I wouldn't make us favourites against Real Madrid or Bayern Munich, but we've got enough in us to cause them problems. Athletic will scare scary because of their defensive organisation and knowing what we struggle against and, and what our strengths are. Um, I think we've got a strong shout of going pretty far in the in the Champions League. Um, I, I don't, I can never quite decide how you judge success in it because if we get to the semi final. We've got as far as we went last year, but if we do that by beating—I don't know who could we say we we drew Bayern Munich or Real Madrid in the quarter final, That is a better achievement than beating Kiev and PSG was to get to the semi-final last year. So that mm. would be significant progress. But we could then go out in the semi-final, and it sort of looked like no progress. I think the Champions League is. Um, I don't like using it as a barometer of success because there's so many different factors that come into play Um, but I do think with our our style and what we're good at and as I said before the the part of the season where we're we're hitting our best form um, I think we're equipped to to push pretty far in it but if you get to the semi-final it can go anybody's way from there can't it? Uh, So Mm. success to me would be an improvement or a continuation of the the current form and the style that we're playing in. If we can win the FA Cup, that would be fantastic. Keeping the pressure on Chelsea is as much as we can hope for now. And if we're going to have a shot at winning the league, it has to come from Chelsea making a mess of things. uh, Although that is always the way that we win the league, to be fair. Um, (laughs) it It comes from somebody else dropping the ball. And then Europe's a bit of an unknown and as for repercussions, all that's going to happen in the summer is perhaps going to get another, uh, another war chest as the Patriots another like two wing backs. Yeah, yeah, it is going to be defensive reinforcements, and we'll see what happens with Aguero as to whether we need a striker or not. It's going to be about moulding the team. I, I don't think there is a manager in the world more secure in their job than Guardiola. Not because he's unsackable or infallible, but because he's been given such a remit at City that he'd have to get relegated from this point for them to bin him off. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it had been a very long-term thing to just get him there in the first place. They aren't going to turn it short-term all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, for Tottenham, uh, I think it's top four again. I- I've mentioned in previous shows, I think a trophy is very important to cement what we've done here. Some of these you can look back historically and say that's what we accomplished because I'm sure many people will know Tottenham tend to always have flair players that are worth remembering, but very few of them have really etched their names in the history books um with silverware so I think that that would be absolutely massive especially for this young group um we've had uh Joshi on here a fair bit talking about how important it is regardless of the size of the competition that Manchester United keep just getting trophies and that that, that affects the uh, attitude at the club and I, I think that Tottenham sorely need that um we are also still alive in the FA Cup. Um, I don't know if we're gonna have a chance to make your scheduling issue any easier, but if we can I'd love to Um, um, obviously already out of Europe, so that's not on the cards anymore. But I think this is the last year that it's okay to not win a trophy. I think if we get in top four one more year, help cover the rest of the stadium build uh, cost-wise, keep ourselves on the forefront of Europe, keep all of our better players. uh, Because if we don't make top four this year, if we do not get Champions League with as good and... Uh, for lack of a better phrase, lovey-dovey, as all of our players are with each other, both on the pitch and off, I would not be surprised if, say, Toby Alderweireld or Hugo Lloris start looking around. I think most of the young kids are here at least for another year. Your Canes, your Ali's, your Ericsson's, your Lamella's, barring injury issues. Um, But if, if we don't make Champions League, Toby, who, by the way, is the one that has yet to officially sign his contract, although there has been some rumors that he's actually already done it and we're waiting to announce it, um, when bad things happen, <laughs> which has been a trend uh, with our other contract annou- announcements, um, we'll see. But uh, th- that could be a repercussion if we don't make top four is that we could lose some of our older high-name players. Um, but next year, I think, is when we start getting – Richard, you- you'll be familiar with this – when all of a sudden you had to do well in the Champions League. I think it could start getting like that for Pochettino, where we absolutely love him. I don't think that it's realistic that we'd sack him anytime soon. But if we continue to not get trophies because people have short memories, there will start to be that negative spin around a manager. And depending on who it is, that spin can turn into a sacking very quickly or it can take 20 years. No shots fired at any other London club's (laughs) cough. Um, (laughs) But anyway, yeah, so for this year, I think it's just top four and I'm pretty confident of it. Uh, If we didn't, I don't think there would be any significant things within the club, but there could be some players leaving next year. If we don't make top four or get a trophy, I think is really when questions could start to be asked. But our play style is going to negate a lot of that. But I feel like that's a long term issue that we have at the club to begin with. All right, and now a second topic that we kind of teased—well, I kind of teased in my Tottenham thing talking about Harry Kane and how he's a great striker— is a narrative started swirling around this Tottenham-Everton match, which was the battle of these two young strikers, Lukaku and Kane. They came into this match on the same amount of goals. They didn't leave that way. Cough. Um, (laughs) But uh, I think there's a larger question to be asked, um, especially with Aguero's suspensions and some other issues with the Gabriel Jesus thing. You also have Diego Costa, you have Ibrahimović, who's kind of, uh, <laughs> I almost said one season wonder. I meant in the Premier League, um, obviously, even though Zlatan's track record has set in the past. But I'm curious to hear who you individually think is the best striker in the Premier League right now.
0: Oof, it's a tough one. It's a very tough one. I, I'd probably go between Diego Costa and Zlatan Ibrahimović. Um I would say probably Ibrahimovic even though I thought he had a stinker against Polna um on the weekend but I think he Unfortunately
1: there was no other storylines about him that day.
0: No no nothing at a, <laughs> nothing at all to to disguise the fact that um that, that he did have a very poor match um <laughs> uh, definitely not an elbow in the head um <laughs> I mean, that that's actually the kind of thing you'd expect to see from Diego Costa, both receiving a kick in the head and then elbowing somebody um, for it. Um, you know that that that's his kind of track record. Uh, he's calmed that down this season. There's no doubt about that. Uh, he's still got a nasty little streak in him, but but he's got it more under control. You feel. Um, I don't know. I, ju- I just think Ibrahimovic, uh, the the leadership that he provides is it put, puts him, you know, on a, in a different. Um, bracket, I think to to Costa, I think he, that just about puts him at a new level. I do also think that he, he contributes slightly more to the team than Costa does, other than goals. Um, so I, I'd go Ibrahimovic just about. But you're right to point out the fact that the Premier League's now got a wealth of strikers who can who who, who you could make a good claim for being. Um, the best, I mean I mean, Kane is fantastic, there's no doubt about that and he's right up there with Kostan Ibrahimović Aguero, I know he's been in and out of the team but I still think he's a- an incredible striker um, one of the best players we've seen in the last 10 years, say in the Premier League um, uh, so you know, th- these are strikers who um, des- you know, deserve to be mentioned among the very best, not just in the Premier League but in the world if I'm being honest um, and that's one of the one of the Premier League's biggest strengths at the moment is is the the quality of strikers.
2: Yeah, my my bias makes me want to say Aguero, um, and then a bit of me thinks, well, he's he's been out of form this season, and his his record against the top seven isn't great, and his suspensions have definitely been a problem, um, and well out of character. Uh, but what uh, what really surprised me. I uh, was to read earlier, and it's quite obvious now I think about it, given how many goals he scored, but he's well on course for his most fruitful season at City, um, which, given that this is the season where he's been most questioned ever since he joined us, um, is pretty incredible. Um, in almost any other season that he's been in England, I probably would have had him as the best striker in the league. But as Guto said, is. It's, we're awash with great strikers at the moment and um, obviously it pains me that Ibrahimovic is doing so well at United but he deserves all the credit in the world um, and, and what I like about it in as much as, as a City fan I can like any striker doing well at United is that it's another his his success in England at his age is another two fingers up to the arrogant little England idea that <laughs> You can't prove yourself until you do it in England. Because there was a while for a while there was this trope that he didn't score against English clubs in the Champions League. And so that proved that he wasn't a truly world class striker because he, he only did it in easier leagues. And now he's walked into the Premier League at 36 and he's absolutely tearing it up. And so whilst I'll never celebrate his success whilst he's where he is, um there is a little bit of me enjoys seeing people with uh, very insular opinions and, and takes on football uh, be showing up a little bit because the guy is fantastic and he has always been fantastic and he shows no signs of slowing down. So he's got a very good shout at being the best striker in the league. My personal favourite, and if you were to give me the option of any striker in the league that I would have at City, um, were it possible, it'd be Harry Kane. I, I absolutely love him. I love watching him play football. I love... Um, I love the variety to his goals. It's so instinctive to him. He works hard. And to me, he is the. He's like a a modern version of what I was always told was a classic striker, like the, the kind of striker that I didn't or oh, the classic English striker, at least, that um, maybe due to my age I didn't get to see a whole lot of, or that passed me by a little bit, um, and I'm more in tune with the modern strikers that I, I've seen more of. Um, Harry Kane is like he's, he's like a, a weird, modern throwback. He, he does everything that a classic centre-forward should do, but he's very mm-hmm. adept at bringing his teammates into play. He's, um, I mean, everything is instinct, isn't it? Obviously, he, the work he must do in training to get to the level he's at is... Um, is immense and Pochettino has done a a phenomenal job with him and and to be fair Sherwood did well before that Um, but everything he does is so natural that it's a you know if you're born with talent then he was I I love watching him play and to me he's in that bracket now where if you've got Messi and Ronaldo still as the top two players in the world in their own bracket Harry Kane has to me fully joined that, that next tier and is prominent amongst it I think he's a sensational a sensational striker Hmm.
1: Well, it's you saying that you're going to try to remove bias certainly makes <laughs> my job harder, because now do I have to also try to do that? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I will say that since becoming the striker for Tottenham Hotspur after the Autobayor or Soldado experiment, Kane has the most goals in the Premier League. Full stop. I'm not going to put opinion on that, because I'll either be wrong or biased or any other words like that. But... What I will say is it's interesting, especially uh, hearing you talk about Zlatan uh, and his record against English teams, because that's all Kane has done, so he's probably the best of all time. But um, <laughs> no, but genuinely, uh, one of the reasons I love the Lukaku comparison is because I do not think that Harry Kane would do as well in a different league as basically all of the other names that we've mentioned. And I'm not sure why. I don't know if it is because he's more of a throwback. He has a very English feel about him, which makes sense because he's the English one (laughs) out of this whole group. Um, But uh, I think at a certain point, if you're talking about elite or world class, physicality becomes a part of it. And the, the fact that Kane is not as... I don't want to say athletic because that sounds so rude about a, a professional that is at a very high level. But Lukaku is a better athlete. He, he can get out at pace more. He can shrug people off more easily. Um, Kane relies a lot on guile, which is impressive that he has at such a young age, to be fair. Finds himself in the right situations. Uh, there was a, a very understated thing he did today a couple of times on the outside of the box against Everton, where he received the ball with his back-to-goal. And somehow maneuvered in front of his defender to be face up, which, A, as a defender, you shouldn't let your man do. But the fact that he was able to do it repetitively, I think, shows the kind of effort he puts in on the training ground. We've heard stories from Pochettino that he's had to take Kane off shooting drills because (laughs) he was working too hard. And if he missed one, he'd stay after. And because of all the matches that we've we've been having, because of all these other competitions that now we're out of... um, he was worried that Kane was going to tire himself out from all those shooting drills. Um, And we've heard very positive things from inside the club, like uh, Brad Friedel back before Kane ever blew up, said that the reason he thought Kane would one day be successful is because of the amount of shooting drills he's done and the different ways that he can score goals, not like right foot, left foot head, but, you know, chips and curve and just lashing at it and just hitting it through the floor. Um, And so I I think to an extent, Kane has overachieved past his talent because of work ethic. The rest of the people that we're naming are insanely on the talent side. I I don't think anybody thinks that Lukaku works as hard as Kane does in training, but that, uh, that base level ability, I think is higher. And so when you're saying who's the best, I think you get into a little tricky situation. So maybe you shouldn't ask it on your podcast, Kevin. (laughs) Um, But um, I agree with Gitto with Aguero. I, 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 he's just one of those players. It just always pulls the eye Um, over the past few years. He's been absolutely incredible. Uh, I'm, I'm curious as to what uh, metric you were referring to, Richard, with uh, he's on pace to have his best year because he's at half of his best season in the Premier League. He'd have to go on a pretty crazy run. Um, goal, to
2: Goal scored in total, though. He's over 20 now, isn't he? For this season? In in total. Oh, oh, in all
1: competitions. Yeah, yeah, all competitions. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes a lot more sense because he has been doing very well. Um, all right. Yeah. So take that back. I was kind of a douche for no reason, but, <laughs> um, yeah, I think Aguero's better. I think, um, Costa is definitely more feared. If you're a defender, you prob- probably don't want that in your life. Um, Andy can be just absolutely clinical. Um, but yeah, I, I, I <laughs> apparently I'm also going to put that. These are all so good, um, for one day guaranteed that they're fit. And that they aren't able to get a red card for no reason, I'd probably still take Aguero. Um, I don't know if that's a little bit of bias against Ibrahimović. I agree that Ibrahimović might do more for Manchester United than Costa does for Chelsea. But neither of them offer that much outside of goals for their teams for me. Unless unless you do want to focus on the off-the-field stuff. Because I do believe that Ibrahimović coming in brought just such a winning mentality, you know, to a club that needed that cough. <laughs> um, uh, obviously, Manchester have won their, uh, United have won their trophies. But um, in, in that regard, I think Ibrahimovic is much better to have in your dressing room than Diego Costa. But uh, all in all, I think I'm going to gonna stick with Aguero. Um, but if we're projecting for the future, I wouldn't be surprised if Lukaku ends up having a bigger, more noteworthy uh, international career than Harry Kane will, I think. I don't know how much more improved we're going to see Kane get from where he is now. But I think Lukaku still has a while left on his potential. Um, So it'll be very fascinating to see if he can fully reach that. I think uh, football would be the better for it if we get to see Romelu Lukaku live up to his potential. Which at this point, I'm not sure there's a cap to. All right. After that double topic, we'll quickly hit player watch and then get out of here. Uh, So we will quickly go through and mention a player that impressed and one that disappointed in our club's most recent fixture. Or since we all won... You can talk about somebody that impressed you from the opposition, if you'd rather.
0: Uh, for Swansea, it's very difficult. Very, very. It was it was a fantastic team performance. Um, if I was to pick just one, I guess Fernando Orantes scored go two goals. Um, I think that's the third game this season that he's scored a brace in, um, which is pretty impressive for a team right down the bottom of the league. Um, and and generally, his his play around the uh, around the pitch was fantastic he's he really matched Burnley physically um I don't think anybody really disappointed um perhaps Luciano Narsing didn't quite live up to the hopes on his first uh start for the club uh he was played instead of uh Wayne Routledge something that everybody's been calling for for a long time Maybe didn't get the freedom that he that he really needed um, down down the wing. He he was he did he did the basics very well, um, but didn't get any of that. You didn't re- really get the excitement that people were hoping um, to see from him. Um, never really had that time or space um, or, uh, with the ball to really do that. And a couple of his crosses were, were, were a little bit disappointing. Um, I would still definitely. Start him ahead of Wayne Routledge in the next game and the one after um, to get Narsing up to speed in the Premier League and um, get him adapting as quickly as possible. And even though he was maybe a little bit less exciting than we were hoping, he is still a much better option at winger than Wayne Routledge, who gives you absolutely nothing going forward. Um, so maybe Narsing was slightly underwhelming, but you know that that's as poor as as it got. That, that generally it was a. Very good team performance from
2: the Swans. At my City player that I was most impressed with, um, I think I'd have to go for David Silva because he continues to be ridiculous. Um, I, I would always say that uh, silver's the best player I've had the pleasure of seeing in a City shirt. And I know that... Um, a, a fair few fans of an older generation who, who saw some of the great City players like Colin Bell and, and Francis Lee, etc. Um, also now put silver as the best they've ever seen. And he continues to to astound and amaze me because he was a player that in the summer a lot of people, um, a, a lot of City writers that I really respect and whose opinions I um, I value really highly... All thought that silver might be the player to suffer under Guardiola um, and that he wouldn't prosper with the the pressing and the um the sort of intensity of the play required and it 's been quite the opposite he's a' he's a shining example to every single player in that team, and he's benefiting again now from as again I, I said at length earlier he 's benefiting from having the the two young lads on the wings tormenting full backs and and getting in the gaps between center backs and full backs because it means he's got the the whole of the middle of the pitch to play with and i mean he doesn't really need space anyway because the guy's incredibly adept at getting between the lines on notice a phenomenal ability um and to me i think he was probably his man of the match today and he's showing no signs of of fading and the great thing for us is that as a player who's never relied on pace, we don't have to worry about him slowing down, it's just as long as his mental faculties are there, he should remain a, a top class player for some time yet um, we're it's a privilege to watch him in a City shirt and today was just a, another one to add to the many great David Silver City performances, um, I can't do a worst player for City because I thought everybody stepped up, uh, so my Sunderland player that I was mildly impressed with. I thought Oviedo when he was covering Sterling did a decent job on him Uh, because in the first half in particular he was blocking Sterling from getting a lot of effective balls in and then we did get a a bit of fortune that the cross that he did finally have success with that found Aguero Um, It took a a little deflection into Aguero's pass, so we had a little bit of fortune there Um, but I thought to keep Sterling who is skinning every fullback that he comes up against at the moment and several times a game um although he didn't have an easy afternoon I thought Oviedo did all right for a while
1: yeah uh for Tottenham I was really impressed with the left side of our defense today I thought Jan and um Ben Davis both had terrific matches um Ben Davis I think more looked terrific because of how poor he's looked lately so I think that's a little bit of a Gap bias, if that makes any sense. Um, so I guess by default I'm going to go to Jan Vertonghen. There's there's an opinion I've held for a while now about center backs that uh, if you stand out at center back for doing good things, it is an amazing thing because typically when you hear about center backs, they've done their job wrong, and if they've done their job well, you don't really hear much because they, they either kept a player from getting the ball or they shielded them well to prevent good shots from getting in on target. But every once in a while, Jan puts in a match as a center back that is noteworthy for good things, that isn't scoring goals or anything crazy like that. He's not Macaulaying in six headers a year. Um, But um, I was so impressed with Jan today. On the ball, uh, he got a little cheeky towards the end uh, with some ball tricks. I know that he slipped on the Lukaku goal, but I'm not going to blame him for that. Um, But was just so impressed with Jan, who has largely been overshadowed since Toby Alderweireld came into the club. I don't think anybody Tottenham fan or otherwise would say that Jan is the better of the two, but I think that that has caused people to, to respect him a little bit less. And it's matches like today that really show why uh, he fully deserves praise of everybody. Because just because Toby is absolutely incredible, doesn't mean that Jan isn't great. Um, And so I I like it when he has performances like this, that really show the level that he's still capable of of, uh, reaching. All right. Uh, not really any match previews because it's going to be a shortened Premier League anyway. And uh, we already hit you with two topics. So we will be done for the day now. So if you have anything you'd like to plug or want to tell people where to reach you, now would be a good time.
2: If
0: you want to hear more positive podcasts about Swansea City, you can find us at The Jackcast on Twitter. We should be recording uh, midweek. So this should be up uh, around Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh,
2: yeah, if you want to read. Anything that I have to say about City, you can do that uh, at Yahoo Sport UK, where I write two articles a week. And I also contribute to the Blue Moon podcast, which is released every Friday and is a dedicated Manchester City podcast.
1: Yeah, and I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, at Roth on Twitter. I also host the FPL Roundtable on this very channel. I'm also now the lead fantasy writer for Goal.com, so go check that out. We're going to have some Champions League stuff and Premier League stuff this week as we have both. Um, So yeah, uh, throw your eyes over there. Uh, Also write for the eaglesbeak.com each week with a fantasy article and host a DFS, which is Daily Fantasy Sports uh, video for VIPBet.com. So if you're interested in that, um, be sure to look over there as well. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. It's been a pleasure as always. And we hope you keep listening.